Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. everybody, Peter Greenberg here with another Ion Travel special podcast. What will your travel experience be like as we slowly emerge from the COVID-19 crisis? 
Recently, for CBS Sunday Morning, I sat down with the CEO of Hilton Hotels, Chris Nassetta, for a wide-ranging discussion of the travel business, as well as what might await you the next time you check in. Here's the extended version of that conversation. Chris, you know, from very early on, from the very early days of innkeeping, part of the definition of it is that whether you were in a city or a small town, there was never a lock on the door. The doors never closed. And here you are with over 6,000 hotels, 18 brands, you're in 119 countries, and you had to shut some doors. We, we did have to shut some doors. We had the maximum, we had about 1,200 hotels closed. I'm happy to say we've been reopening doors all over the world. In China, where all of this began, almost all of our hotels were closed, and they're almost all now open. In Europe, we had a very large part of our portfolio closed. I'm happy to say we opened 25 hotels. I was just talking to our, our president of EMEA uh, this morning. We opened 25 hotels there. And in in the United States, we're in more of an opening trend, although it's it's going slowly. But you're right. I I, uh, I said this when I was at the White House to the President of the United States about six or eight weeks ago when this was just getting started. I said, in my career, I've been doing this 37 or so years. I've never closed a hotel other than when we were going to basically tear it down, demolish it, you know, either to rebuild a new hotel or for another use. Ne- never been done in my 37 years. So it's been hard. But I think in terms of that stage of this crisis, I think, oh, we have a long way to go. We're sort of past the peak in closures. But one of the ironies here was that at the time this happened, construction of hotels was at an all-time high. It was. You, you were opening like one hotel every 24 hours somewhere around the world, and then all of a sudden, your guests evaporated. Yeah. All of a sudden, our guests evaporated, and uh, because there's no mobility, you, you can't move, you can't travel. That is not good for our business, of course. That stands to reason. But also, unlike any other, you know, sort of uh, environments like this where you had declines, people couldn't keep constructing hotels. You couldn't have construction crews and, and the like, you know, in most parts of the world. Some places it kept going, mostly, mostly it shut down. And so, yeah, we were opening more than a hotel, um, approaching two hotels a day somewhere in the world. We're still, believe it or not, Peter, we're opening some hotels, but instead of, you know, one or more a day, yeah, maybe, maybe, I haven't done the math, maybe one or more a week, but we'll, you know, we'll, that will, as we get past the epicenter of the health crisis and the world starts to reopen uh, a little more significantly, that, that will pick up steam again. Then there's the economic impact. 20 million jobs lost in April. We're over 14% unemployment. Uh, And so much of that is in travel, tourism, and hospitality. Yeah, I think it's disproportionately so. I mean, if you look at where those jobs are, um, I think the number I saw was that in travel and tourism and entertainment, I think 8 million, the the numbers just came out this morning, but I think 8 million of that 20 million is sort of in and around and related to our industry. And that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's been absolutely devastating and heartbreak uh, as it relates to the employment impact in our industry. You know, when you have zero demand, people have no mobility um, and we have owners that, you know, have a huge expense basis to operate these hotels, they can't, they can't continue on. They're they're not, no no business is built for zero revenues. And so the net knock-on impact is they have no choice uh, but to displace a lot of employees, hopefully temporarily, but um, depends on, you know, and, and certainly many of them temporarily, but the ultimate outcome will depend on the slope of recovery and, and how we can get America and the rest of the world moving again in a safe and, and healthy way. And as a result, how we can get people back at work again and taking care of themselves and their families and, you know, having purpose. You know, we all remember the fear immediately following 9-11, people, you know, worrying about traveling over large bodies of water to go anywhere. 
How is the fear this time different? You know, I was in the industry at that time. And I remember, I remember the, the days after 9-11, I was running a different company at that time. And we owned the, the hotel at the base of the World Trade Center, which was destroyed when the trade centers collapsed and many people died. It was a very sad day and a sad time for America and a sad time for the world. And the, the net result of it was people had a lot of fear. I can remember the days and weeks and frankly, months after that, people's view was like, I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to get on a plane. But when you look back, you know, a couple of years later after 9-11, you know, people were and they were they were reasonably back to normal because the world had adjusted and, and the U.S. government, other governments figured out how to collaborate and fight terrorism in a way that maybe doesn't eradicate it, but that we were able to manage it. And I think not to be Pollyannish, I, I think the same thing when we look back two or three years from now, I think we will have a similar set of circumstances. Today, people are afraid and for good reason, because there's so many unknowns. This is a pandemic. What's different about it is it's health and that it's everywhere. Like 9-11, you know, was relatively isolated to America, although there were other things going on in the world. This is pretty much the whole world close to in unison, where you have everybody afraid in many places in the world being ordered to stay home. And that creates even greater fear. But as you sort of get through the health elements of this, and I'm happy to talk about my view, I've been on the President's Council for reopening. And so um, I'm not a health expert, but I do do have a lot of opinions, as you might imagine, and thoughts. But as we get past that, and I think we will, I think people, again, we will, we will, governments, the US government, in collaboration with governments all over the world, and the healthcare industry will figure out how to fight this battle. Will we eradicate it? I think the answer is everything I read and see, probably not. Maybe, maybe there'll be a great vaccine. There'll be a suite of therapeutics and, and the like, hopefully, and I think likely. And But but reality is we will learn through a, a number of different mechanisms and protocols how to manage this in a way where people, most people, some will be at greater risk, but most of the population here in the United States and around the world will eventually start to feel safe again. And when they start to feel safe again, they'll start to move around again. I think that inevitably, like 9-11, to a degree, it starts locally, then it's it goes regional, then it's interregional, and then people start going cross-country and people start going around the world. So again, you could have a different view, and, and we have a long way to go. So I'm not suggesting in any way, hey, this is going to be in the next month or quarter or two. But I do think when you wake up in two or three years, and maybe we'll do another piece, sort of mark this date, that we'll look back and say, this was one of the most difficult times in modern history, if not the most difficult time. It was one of the most impactful times, not just in our industry, but on mankind and certainly on people of our country. And that, and that we're just starting to feel the real impacts of it because while we may get past the epicenter of the health issues, the economic issues um, and the damage that's being done is generational. And so we're going we're, we're gonna to be dealing with it for a while. And, and I'm not suggesting otherwise, but uh, I'm an optimist by nature. And, and I do believe if you look at history. It does tell you things about the future. And that is that here in America, we are resilient. We are entrepreneurial. We are innovative. We will figure out how to beat this thing in a way that will give people the comfort to do what they want to do, what you want to do, what I want to do, which is get out and see our friends and see our families and see the world and see our communities and have a cultural exchange and have experiences that, you know, the whole, you know, the movement 
to people wanting more experiences than things that we've, you know, that has created a golden age of travel, which you and I have talked about uh, on many occasions. I don't think that's over. I don't think that's dead. I, I think that we're just going to take a break until we can figure out how to fight this particular um, virus and this, you know, and, and get people to a place where they feel more safe and secure. So I think a few years from now, we'll mark this day. We'll feel like this was a really tough time, but I think things will look more like they did 90 days ago in two or three years than they than they do today. You know, we've gone from fear of missing out to fear of going out. And yet right. at the same time, everybody's asking, when are we going to get back? When are we going to get back? And the real question I think that has to be asked, and I'm going to ask you is, how are we going to get back? What are you doing at Hilton to change the hotel experience so that people are going to feel their comfort level's been reached, they're, you know, they've got their security blanket, and they'll want to check in again? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll get to that. I think, you know, I sort of said it in my prior comments. I think that the desire to travel is unstoppable, in, in my opinion. I think people want to see people, see places, see, you know, and experience life. And they're going to get back to that. Our, our founder founded this company just over 100 years ago on a very simple premise, which is he wanted to make the world a better place through travel and tourism with, you know, because of culture, opportunities for cultural exchange. In my view, he's right. Um, he was right then 100 years ago. He was right 90 days ago, and he'll be right again tomorrow. But people, as we talked about, want to feel safe and secure. It's sort of the basic tenet of travel is you do not go places you don't feel safe. At the moment, that's everywhere. So what do you do? You don't go anywhere. Well, that'll change. And I think pre-vaccine or therapeutic, okay, which is a world we're living in, and hopefully we get to those things that are game-changing. I think there are a number of things that we have to do. We have to we have to have massive scales, uh, incremental scale of testing so that people under have a real understanding of who's at risk and how much they're at risk. Um, now, there's been a lot of increases in testing, but there, there obviously is more to come. And I think that will give people at least certain segments of the population an understanding that sad, every life matters a lot. But, but the reality is that, that while this spreads quite easily, the mortality rates, when you look at the underlying data, are quite, quite low. Um, you know, that will help. All of the practicing of social distancing, PPE, um, you know, will help a lot. Cleaning standards. I think that'll change forever. I think we've been incredibly good about hygiene and cleanliness. Think about it. You know, we're in the business of preparing food and preparing people's rooms. And I think we've done quite a good job. Um, but, but I do what, think there's... But what are you doing differently now? You know, what we did over the last month or so is we went out and said, how do we take these incredible standards we have for cleanliness and hygiene and cleaning all throughout our properties? And how do we up our game? And how do we find the best um, minds in the business of, of these things to help us? So we went, our team and, and, and myself, we went and with Lysol and the Mayo Clinic put together a venture to say, all right, with the use of their science in the case of Lysol and the Mayo Clinic, and in the case of Lysol, their products associated with, you know, how we would already be doing things. How can we implement standards, protocols, and then training for our people to make sure that we have the absolute highest standards of cleanliness and hygiene. And so while we've rolled out a number of things already in June, we will, we will start the full scale rollout of the outcome of that 
that relationship with them. And so we think, well, people still have to want to leave their homes. I, you know, the, the testing and the social distancing, PPE, um, you know, are all things that are going to make a big difference. Uh, obviously, a vaccine and therapeutic would be would be the silver bullet. But, we, you know, time, time will tell with that. We have to do our part. All businesses have to do their part as people start to get out and get mobile is that when people stay at a Hilton hotel, we of any brand, we want them to feel safe and secure. Equally important, because as you know, I chair the World Travel and Tourism Council, is that we create standards and protocols across the whole travel ecosystem, whether that all hotel brands, all airlines, airports. And so we've been working, WTTC has been at the tip of the spear to try and lead an effort throughout the whole travel ecosystem to build protocols and standards that then we can go to governments around the world and around the country to suggest these are the guidelines that we would suggest, you know, uh, working with our experts that we would like everybody to adhere to. Now, others can top it up. I mean, in our case, we will adhere to all those standards. What we're trying to do with Lysol and Mayo is sort of do even more. Let me ask you this. So, you know, up until recently, I'm not different than anybody else. I thought nothing of jumping on a plane, getting into a cab, going to one of your hotels, using my credit card, checking in, playing my own role of George Clooney, going up to the room, uh, (laughs) and never thinking about who was in the room the night before, or who was going to be in the room next to me, or who's going to come in the room during my stay. So, Chris, if you can, walk me through what, you know, the, all those touch points now that you're addressing and how that yeah. may let, let me Let me do it. Like, and, and I'll miss a few things, but here's the hotel of the future, at least the near future. And that is, so, you know, I would say it's sort of in two categories. Things that we were already doing, we're going to do more of, and I think will be adopted much more rapidly. And then we're going to layer on top of that, at least in the short to intermediate term, some new things. So here's your experience, Peter. Close your eyes and get ready. So pre-arrival, before you ever come to us, day of your travel or likely the day before, you'll get an email saying, we're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night. It'll come, you know, and and if you're a Hilton Honors member, which I know, of course, you are, it'll say to go into your app to check in and select your room and get your room key. So you'll do that before you ever get to the hotel. Also through your Honors app, um, coming, coming soon to a town near you, you'll be through our connected room technology, able to kind of preset your desired temperature, lighting, et cetera, in your room before you even get there. So that when you get there, things things uh, are set up. If you want to work out, and in today's world, you're a little worried about going to the gym. We'll be doing things, by the way, in the gym to address that in terms of cleaning and, and social distancing and scheduling at times. But we already had a program in place, just like digital check-in, which we had already launched in Connected Room, which we had already launched. We had a program called Five Feet to Fitness, where in certain segment of our rooms, you can have a certain level of fitness equipment in your room. So if that's something you like, when you're checking in and selecting your room, you can select the room that's five feet to fitness so you get everything you need in your room now you arrive at the hotel and you're ready for a stay but you're still nervous because the world's been a little bit of a crazy place you walk up the hotel you walk in you'll have sanitizing stations you will see protocols for distancing throughout the hotel both our team and what we expect of customers including usage of elevators etc you'll see our team members wearing ppe at least in the short to intermediate term to make sure we're protecting our teams and also protecting our customers. You'll take the elevator up with the appropriate number of people so you're distanced. You'll go to your room but with your digital key. You won't have to touch anything other than your phone. You'll open
open your room with your phone and which you can already do today and have been able to do and you will break a seal. We, we will have had the room cleaned under the standards that we've developed with Lysol and the Mayo Clinic. When a housekeeper is done cleaning the room, we will seal it and you will be the first one in it and we will not come in it until you leave or until you ask us to come back in it. When you're in that room, again, through your app, connected uh, room on the app, you can work on your temperature of your room, your thermostat, your television, your lighting, all of that without touching switches. We'll get rid of all the clutter. We'll have sanitizing wipes in the room. What are you going to get rid of? All of the collateral, your room service menus, all of those things. We can do it all digitally. It'll all be either on the TV digitally or or in the app. And then once you have a- No more paper. No more paper. And then once you have a fabulous day with us, hopefully, and you're ready to check out, again, you don't have to do anything. You can check out on your app. And in fact, if you want to grab a car through our app, you can get a, you can go and call a lift. By the way, you can earn and burn honors points in our relationship oh, stop, with Lyft. Oh, stop promoting. <laughs> So that'll be that'll be the experience of the future. The question though, we're not out of the room yet. What about the bathroom? Because at the at the moment we were at a point where you were trying to be environmentally responsible and getting rid of single-use plastics, those little bottles of soap and 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 shampoo and conditioner and and, and replacing them in many cases with dispensers. What's going to yeah. happen? With that? We still think, first of all, in the bathroom, in terms of how we sanitize it, everything will be wiped down with the best chemicals that you can get to deal with COVID or or anything else. Some hotels have already shifted to bulk amenities. We believe that there are ways to use bulk amenities where the hygiene can be perfectly fine. Um, those that have not converted to bulk amenities, will, we will likely you know, sort of slow that process, at least in the very short term, until we get to the other side of vaccine and or therapeutics. But the bulk amenities that we're, we were already using, they were larger forms of things that would be replaced. They were not stationary things that had to be refilled. And so in that way, uh, what it requires is a, you know, a, a very clean, a wipe down with the right chemical. What about the other areas of social gathering? There's so much a part of hospitality and the hotel business. What are you going to be doing about the floor plan of your bars, your restaurants? We're going to do exactly what you would think. We will distance so that we will set up tables and chairs in the bars and the restaurants to create appropriate distancing. How we do food and beverage will be very different. Again, depends what, what level, what price point you're at but you know as we think about like room service we're already we're already testing this in dozens of hotels you know sort of knock knock I hate to be crass but a knock and a drop of a prepackaged you know from a from a limited menu a prepackaged meal that will be you know in disposable containers so that you're not dealing with trays and glassware and and the like down in the restaurants I think we're going to be driving in the short to intermediate tor- term towards more grab and go you know where you can actually have prepackaged things where people that aren't touching it um, where you could take it if you want to eat you can eat there but again in, in in a way that you're distanced. Um, we will likely still have buffets in some circumstances, certainly in the intermediate term, maybe in the short term, sort of shy away from that. And I, we might be assisting by serving, having those served by team members, you know, that are protected in the right way instead of having customers up serving themselves. And so we're working through, honestly, a, a number of food and beverage ideas with Mayo at the moment. I, I think that the right answer is going to be that we're going to simplify food and beverage in 
the short term till we get to the other side of the health crisis. And we're going to, we're going to require, we're going to do a lot more grab and go and self-serve, which as you know, was sort of a mega trend that was happening before this. And like a lot of these things, digital key, connected room, some of the digitization of the business, some of the things that were going on with fast, casual food and grab and go, those were, those were trends that were moving at a pretty good pace pre-COVID-19. My attitude is they're just going to move now at an incredibly rapid pace. People will start to adopt those. And I think a lot of that, they'll never go back. Once you learn to go to the cash flow machine and stop going to the bank or, you know, pump your own gas instead of somebody, you, you never go back. So like digital key, these things, people have been adopting adopting them, but the adoption rates are going to skyrocket and people will never go back. Here's, I got to ask the big bad question back to the room itself. What's going to happen with that dreaded mini bar? I think that the dreaded mini bar, the outcome, which is, again, something that was happening all on its own, I think will end up being a refrigerator that can be either stocked by the customer or pre-stocked with pre-packaged items on request, but not a mini bar that is that it comes comes stocked. Now, at the very high end of the business, remember, as you pointed out, when we started, we have 18 brands. So, you know, at the lowest price point, true, you know, all the way up to Waldorf Astoria, I suspect that the high end, we will still have some form of mini bar and we will apply, you know, very rigorous standards of cleaning. But I think broadly, you know, other than in the very high end of the business, I think we'll be out of that business. And the reality is we were largely getting out of that in any event um, because that's what customers were telling us that they wanted. They want, you know, when they needed a refrigerator in many, if not most circumstances, and they wanted room to do, you know, having it what they wanted to bring or or get in our grab and go areas. You know, we, we provide lots of uh, merchandise or a lot and many wanted them sort of pre packaged and put in place before they get there, which we obviously accommodate already. So short of changing your name to the Hazmat Inn, what's the ultimate comfort zone here for you? I don't think that, you know, I, I've had a lot of people say, even on my team, you know, we're, we're a business of people serving people. In the end, we're about experiences and hospitality. That's what we do. Our people love serving people. That's why we all, 450,000 of us around the world at Hilton do what we do. And I have had a lot of people, you know, think about, well, how does it work with a mask on and a lot of people, you know, you know, potentially in parts of the hotel with gloves and everybody distance. And, and, and here's the truth. One, um, that's necessary right now. I don't think it'll be necessary forever. Uh, two, the folks that are serving all of our customers, they have big hearts that are underneath whatever they're wearing and that their heart hasn't changed. They're still coming in every day trying to fill the earth with the light and warmth of their hospitality, which was what our founders set out to do 100 years ago. And behind a mask, in front of a mask, with or without gloves, they're there to do incredible things for our customers. They have been and they will continue to be. So Chris, I want you to take off your CEO hat for a second and put on your traveler hat, your parent hat, your dad hat. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a lot of kids. I've got a big dad hat. All right. Okay, big dad. What's it going to take you as a dad to take your family back to a Hilton hotel? I would take my family to a Hilton hotel tonight if I could. My I mean, like yours, I'm sure. My family has cabin fever the likes I've never seen. I have six daughters, amazing people. They have traveled the world with me. They've been fortunate given the line of work I'm in to be able to see a lot lot of the world. I think they, they bought into our founder's dream of making the 
the world a better threat, a place through cultural exchange and learning about other peoples uh, the way I have. And uh, they want to get out like I've never seen. So I think our hotels right now who are, you know, that are serving guests, uh, many frontline responders, by the way, um, you know, our, our standards of hygiene and cleanliness have always been good. We've enhanced those. They're only going to get better as we launch our new clean stay program. I would be 100% comfortable taking my family tonight anywhere that they wanted to go. Sadly, it's a little hard. It's a little hard to do. But we, you know, we are serving guests last night. As an example, um, we were about 23% occupancy in the world. So, you know, while we have 950 hotels closed, we have over 5,000 hotels open that are serving guests, that, and we're keeping those guests safe, and we're doing a, we're doing a good job um, with the hearts and souls that are out on the front lines. The most One of the things that we were really focused on, Peter, uh, as hard as it is when you're in the middle of a crisis, and, you know, our industry is, of course, one of the most impacted, is to sort of look beyond your own problems and look at the broader broader problems and figure out how can you become part of the solution. So in the depths of all of it, trying to help ourselves, help our owners, make sure we kept our team members, our customers safe. I really set out to say, you know, I want us to be part of the solution. And so a bunch of those customers that we are serving are because we and Amex together got together about four weeks ago. I called Steve Squarey, chairman and CEO of Amex one week. And I said, I got I got an idea. I want to give a million rooms to away to first responders for free. There's so many people that want to help with this crisis that can't afford it, can't get a room. I want to do it. We've got capacity. I mean, even though we're hurting, we've got capacity. Do you want to help? Uh, and within minutes, he said yes. And, and, and literally within days, we put together a program between us to offer a million room nights. I think we've already done about a half million room nights. We have a, a half million more to go. So we're serving a bunch of the folks that we are serving and are keeping safe and sound our frontline responders to this crisis. You know, Chris, in the past, when there's been an economic crisis, the travel industry and the hotel industry as well, uh, as part of that, you know, tried to discount their way out of it when it was over. Is that situation going to repeat itself today? Is discounting going to actually drive people to come back? I don't think so. I think that's a bad path out. I mean, here's the reality. People are not traveling because of the health issue. It's not because the price uh, necessarily. And and by the way, you know, given the nature of our industry, there are, there are dozens and dozens of price points, right? If you want something that's very expensive, you can get something luxury, you can get something at the economy and budget side of the business for a, for, for a much lower price. So they already have the opportunity to sort of pick a price. The reality is that's not what is driving it. Like dropping all the prices in the industry to stimulate demand, I think would have little impact just because people are, are lacking mobility because of both the, their health concerns and, and in many cases, because they've been ordered to not move and to stay sheltered in place in their home. So I, I certainly hope that that's not, you know, what happens. I don't think it does a lot of good really for, for anybody. What we what we really need is for the industry as people get mobile again and, and the world starts to open up again, we need to make sure we're taking great care of our customers and doing everything we can to keep them safe, which of course we will at Hilton with a clean stay and a lot of other things that I described. But we ultimately, you know, we're responsible for at Hilton, hundreds of thousands of frontline team members and in the industry, you know, tens of millions around the world, we want to get them back to work, right? I mean, the most important thing is as we can safely get 
people moving again, to get them moving, to, to have the experiences, see their friends, see places, and get these amazing hearts and souls that, that, that want to serve them um, back to work and able to take care of themselves and, and their family. So when travel returns, no deals at all? Oh, I'm sure there'll be deals. I'm sure there'll be deals, yeah. Hopefully we're going to get the federal government to help. I mean, that's one of the things I've been very involved as a result of being on the President's Council for reopening, both on the efforts to create bridges, you know, with what, you know, through the CARES Act, throughout that whole process. And, you know, I know there's a lot of discussion with the administration and Congress right now on, you know, what how do we stimulate the economy? And and then certainly I think they realize that there are a lot of, there's been a lot of displacement and employment in our sector and that helping stimulate the re, you know, the sort of rebuilding of the business will be important to getting people back to work. And so I'm hopeful that we'll get, we'll get a helping hand in that way with some uh, stimulus that will be directed towards the industry and uh, we'll get this thing up and moving again. Well, as you're improving the cleaning and the disinfecting standards and the protocols and the training of your own staff, what's the one thing that keeps you up at night as you're trying to get back on track? I'm not one that loses a lot of sleep at night. I don't sleep that many hours, but when I when I do sleep, I sleep pretty well. I mean, I you know, I think the thing that keeps me up at night is just making sure that as we reopen the world, not just America, that we do it really responsibly so that, you know, we do it once and we don't have to go backwards to go forward. Um and so uh, I'm not saying I wake it up in the middle of the night, but you know, I I do I do think a lot about making sure that this is this is done responsibly in a staged way where wherever in the world is opening up, it's ready to be opened up in terms of what the status is in terms of the, you know, the infection rates to making sure that the healthcare systems can manage what will invariably be a bit of a, of an uptick. Again, making sure that we have ample amounts of testing so that, you know, people have visibility into, into, you know, sort of the real rate of infection and mortality. And then we practice, you know, the good hygiene and distancing and all, all of these things. I think we, we we have as much as I I know we'll get past this. You know, we could do it the easy way or the hard way. Um, and this been it's been hard all the way through, but it could get harder if we're not vigilant and super responsible about these next steps. My sense is we we're going to be. You know that I you know I trust and I have a lot of faith in America. I have a lot of faith in the people, the resiliency of of this country and and its people. And uh, and I think they want to do the right thing. And I think if we give them sort of the right guidelines and sort of protocols and help them understand, you know, the data so that they can make informed decisions. I'm pretty confident with a little bit of help, everybody will end up in the right place. But I think we need to make sure that we do provide that level of transparency and help along the way. You know, everybody seems to want to get their own security blanket here. They want their own guarantees. Corporations want to make sure that it's safe before they let their own employees travel. The employees want to make sure it's safe before they agree to travel. And then you have governments that want to make sure it's safe before they let anybody in. We talk about testing. What kind of test would you like before you let me into one of your hotels? Well, I don't know that we're going to require our customers to be tested. When I talk about testing, I, you know, what I'm talking about is more broadly around America and the world that both testing for the virus and antibody testing so that we could really understand where the pockets of problems are and also have the data that we need to really be able to 
judge the, you know, the spread and the mortality rates. As it relates to our customers, we're of the belief that, again, people are going are, are gonna to need to be responsible. If somebody, you know, is sick, we certainly would hope that they would not be out traveling. We would certainly hope, while well, we, we will not likely enforce it, that people use PPE, you know, as customers, at least in the early days. We're, we're going to require it um, with our team members. So we will make sure we protect our team members. We believe if people are responsible, if they follow our protocols on distancing um, and, and the like, that we can keep everybody safe. I mean, normally, if I were to check into one of your hotels today, they'd ask me for a credit card and a form of identification, like a driver's license. Do you see a situation where that form of identification includes like an immunity card? I and not no. I well, it may someday. That's that's above my pay grade. I mean, that depends on how the federal government sort of takes you know, the path they take. That is certainly not something we're thinking that we're going to require. And by the way, Peter, you should never have to present your your license or anything. You should just make sure you download the Hilton Honors app and you have digital key. And then we have and then we have your credentials, and you don't have to talk to anybody or do anything. You can pick your room on a map. You get your key and you walk in all by yourself. Break the seal in your room. Lie down, you know, watch Netflix. Yeah, I, I have to break the seal to watch Netflix now. <laughs> my thanks to Chris Nacetta. On our next Eye on Travel special podcast, my extended CBS Sunday morning conversation on the airline experience with United Airlines Executive Chairman Oscar Munoz. Thanks for listening. For more interviews with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Ion Travel Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. You can also go to petergreenberg.com for the latest in travel news updates. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts.